listening to So Connected, the podcast for people trying to cultivate joy, purpose, and community in their lives. I'm Catherine. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to be talking about getting ready for back to school. But first, let's check in about how it's going. What are your highs and lows right now, Catherine? My high, this is like the, the silliest high and also the complete silver lining of my current life, where here in Arkansas, it is over 100 degrees most days. The peaches are just like incredible. Like the farmer's market peaches, you can buy them and the juice like drips down to your elbow. And I have been like savoring two peaches a day and fully enjoying every bite. I love that. I have such a strong mental image of that. And there are so many good things you can do with peaches, like from peach crumble to like just grilling them or like baking them in the oven, roasting them in the oven with like sugar on them So or just eating them. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah, it's so good. It's one of those times of years where I really remember the importance of like the seasons and, and the relationship to the earth in terms of the produce being really good. So that's been my high. And then my low has just been that really since we came back from our trip to Mexico, which has been like a month now, Sydney has been having just a really hard time at bedtime. She's been like screaming and running away and just like not willing to stay in her room. Not like the feeling. It's almost like the feeling of calming down Mm. is causing her to like need to escape. And we saw some of that when we were in Mexico. I think she was just like overtired at night. We were in all these different places when we were trying to put her to bed. And I think it was just kind of overwhelming. And we just assumed it was like a trip thing and that it would like go back to normal when we got home. And that has not happened. So we've now changed from Nithin doing weekday bedtimes, which he normally does, to me doing weekday bedtimes, which means I'm doing bedtime every day. And it's been going better. I think just like the change of pattern has helped, but it just is making my days really long. So... I am really hoping that I can report next time I see you that bedtime is smooth sailing again. I'm crossing my fingers for you. I know how hard it is. And thank you for sharing so vulnerably about your challenges too because it just makes me put my own parenting in context when I hear other moms talk about what's hard for them. So thank you. I'm sorry you're struggling. Yeah, absolutely. It's not always easy. Is it ever easy? <laughs> oh, no, like one thing will be easy at a time. That's all you can hope for. Or maybe three things. What are your highs and lows right now? Sarah, how's it going? My high is that our schedule and our plan is for our trip is actually working. Like I didn't know going into this trip because we never planned something like this long or and, yeah. like I didn't I didn't know like how do you plan for 365 days on the road? And so I have a I I mean it's pretty planned out of us especially the stages of the trip where we it's basically like road tripping or like changing locations every um, three days is what we were doing in June and now we're changing locations like every week in July and so it's pretty like laid out of like this is what we're doing on this day and this is what we're doing on this day and that it's feeling like it's a good framework for our time like I'm not feeling like I have to do a lot of planning and research while we're also trying to enjoy it but it also feels flexible enough if there's something we end up liking we can start doing it every day and kind of fitting it in around the other stuff so that is my high I love that my low is in this particular day you're catching me on a like a bad day our quality of life actually feels lower than it did back in Austin and that's a pretty terrible feeling because it's like well why did we go and pull the whole rug out from under us and I knew that was a risk going into this 
trip because we had gotten our life into such a good place, like in the last several months uh, where we, when we were back at home. And so I knew it was going to be hard to compete with that. But the, the travel is just wearing on the boys. And I was listening to a podcast episode yesterday about traveling with neurodivergent children or anxious children. And it was just talking about how children in general just love routine and love structure. And one of my boys in particular is like a verifiable homebody. And so I think we're just feeling the like the the rub of that. Um, and I'm hoping that it gets better when we settle into Hilo, Hawaii, in starting in August. And we're going to be there for two and a half months. So that will feel more like regular life. Like we'll sign up the boys up for a climbing gym. They'll have like they want to start taking fencing lessons. So hopefully they'll get friends and they'll like have some day-to-day routines that they're not able to experience right now. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's so hard traveling with kids, but also not doing things without with kids. Is, you know, there's like so many trade-offs. So I really hope that that starts feeling better. And also just as we have started meeting with parenting coaches and one of the first things they told us um, to help stabilize some of the behavioral stuff that we're having with Sydney and some of the challenges she's going through right now is to like try to find areas of ritual and routine that we can like build into her life. So I don't know if there might be ways, I know your kids are older, but I'm wondering if there's just like ways that you could do even just like little patterns within your day that are kind of ritualistic. And they also told us to like listen to the same song, like music, I guess, has a strong sense of like creating that rhythm, like when we were doing those routines. And so that's been something we've been playing with. I love that. Thank you. Now, Catherine, let's talk about today's topic, which is handling back to school like a boss, the 2022 version. And I know it may seem early to be talking about school, but both of us start early where we live. And listeners, you know that both Catherine and I love to look ahead and make sure we're approaching the big things in life with intention. So Catherine, let's start with the basics. How old are your children and what are their school situations this upcoming year? Is it different from last year? So my girls are six and seven right now, and they're both going to be in first grade, possibly at the neighborhood public elementary school that they went to for kindergarten last year. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But the school, I remember last time you asking some details about the school that I didn't know. And so today I'm prepared. It's about 500 students, grades K through fourth. It's 75% white, 25% non-white, um, 17, it's an 18% free and reduced lunch population. So there's a considerable amount of privilege at this school. It's in a fairly nice and you know, higher income part of town. They rank in the top 10% of schools in Arkansas in terms of student achievement and also have really strong student growth scores. So we were really, even though it has a more traditional pedagogy in terms of the instructional model, we were really actually pretty happy with the experience of kindergarten. We thought the teacher was incredible. She did do lots of like hands-on and project-based things, lots of like flexible seating and like kids moving around the class all the time. And so even though they use screens and they have more of a like one-to-money kind of instructional approach, it did feel really 
good. And we were really happy with the kids learning overall, especially for Sugi. And then, of course, for Sydney, it was a hard year. Even with a one-on-one aid, we just really felt like the school didn't have a level of understanding of either trauma or neurodiversity that was necessary to really create an environment where she felt safe, uh, especially on the days that our friend who was her aide wasn't there and that person isn't coming back next year. So even though the they would she would have a new one-on-one aide, um, we're just not confident that that situation is going to be enough to feel really supportive of her. And, you know, if you look at least restrictive environment, which is like always the goal for schools and trying terms of trying to keep the kids as much as you can in an inclusive environment, which Arkansas is currently in the process of moving towards more inclusion. So currently kids are like the schools are structured to be getting resource hours in a resource classroom instead of having it be push in. And so that's also been a point of tension for us. But if it's not possible for her to be in the gen ed setting and then go to resource and be successful in that way, they would try to move her to a lower ratio classroom. And I went and saw the behavior classroom of our school district, which is at a different school. And I like they have a seclusion area like I would not support. I just felt like it was so like the opposite of trauma informed. It was really based on the principles of ABA, which I don't necessarily agree with. And so that is not an environment that we would consider. So I'm really not sure what we're going to do. We're going to start having meetings soon with the school principal who I think just got back um, to school this week and try to figure out what path might work best for her. It might be that she does like a partial day at that school and then she's homeschooled the other part of the day is what I'm currently thinking might be our best option, at least for the first semester. I'll be thinking about you guys as you get it all sorted out. What about you, Sarah? How old are your children and what will their school different situation be this year? It's obviously going to be different than last year. Tell us about it. Tate is heading into fourth grade and Henry is heading into sixth grade and they had Prior to this, they'd been at the school that I started for a very long time. Tate was there from birth, and Henry was there since pre-K-3. So it was really a big deal and a huge transition for Henry to graduate from the school. And it also feels really different that we're traveling for a whole year together as a family. And we're going to be homeschooling the boys since we won't be in a consistent location for long enough to actually get them into a school Um, So we will see uh, how this goes. That makes sense. I'm excited to hear about it and to learn from uh, from what you do with the homeschooling. Yeah, it's going to be different that we homeschooled during COVID when the school shut down. And that just felt like a very different experience because it was so limited in what you could do outside of the home because Mm -hmm. of COVID. Like now that we're not quarantining or or trying to have social distance uh, in like outside, like there are so many more groups that we can get together with, homeschooling groups that get together during the school day. I've been researching them in Hawaii, for example. They meet at like a local park every week. And then I was going to suggest people meet at the climbing gym. So hopefully it feels like we have a, a community of like-minded, like-minded people and age level people um, that we can get together with. But I have no idea whether we're going to feel like kindred spirits or not since homeschooling is not really what we normally do. Yeah, that may. Yeah, that that resonates. Are you planning on doing like 
do you have selected curriculum or are you like doing some ed tech or like, how are you balancing the content? The boys are doing about three to four hours uh, a day. Um, And some of that includes like volunteering hours, more like internships. Um, The first stop, they're going to be volunteering at a goat farm, for example. Um, They're doing some um, writing, like direct writing lessons, because that's an area that they struggle with the most. And we are using like Zern math for uh, their math curriculum. And that is like a video of a teacher teaching a lesson um, and some online components. But it's going to intend to be very open. Um, Henry is a very um, resistant learner and a very opinionated learner. So I'm wanting to make sure that we really prioritize self-direction and choice in the homeschool experience. Um, So there's going to be a block of time where they are learning how to type online, but also getting to select online courses for themselves that are aligned with their interests from out school. So hopefully it'll feel enough, like it'll be structured enough that they actually learn things, but then not too structured that they feel like they're kind of being marched through school. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. I think if if we think about homeschooling part-time in addition to being at school part-time, I'm really struggling with what balance of, you know, self-directed versus online versus like and how to help support Nithin to be able to be the one to do the schooling, I think is the biggest challenge. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, and it's been really fun to delve deep into the homeschooling community because it's really been pushing my own beliefs as an educator just about like how much formal academic learning is actually necessary. And when you challenge that assumption, when you challenge the standards themselves and like the the scope of the standards and then a number of standards then you free up more time for self-directed learning whether that looks like playing in the forest or building things or doing art or just playing around with your friends and I am starting to just like really crave more of those experiences for my children especially because their playtime at home, just kids' playtime at home is looking less and less aligned with what kids really need. They need to just be with a bunch of other kids playing freely, and we're not really doing that in our neighborhoods anymore. So it's like, how do we do that more in our schools? Um, so it's been it's been a fun journey. Now for our next question, starting with the end in mind, what do you want to be able to say about this school year in May when it's over? My goals are actually really simple, and I think part of this is just that I've had to like kind of let go of some of what I would love for my kids to experience in a school based on the fact that that doesn't exist where I am and I want to stay living where I live. Um, And so my two goals for them really are that they enjoy school and that's like both the learning process and the people that they get to spend time with at school and that they learn like at the end of the day, right, they're like in the lower grades. And so I just want to see like progress in basic math and literacy skills. Um, And so yeah, it's simple. And I think that I'm really grateful that now that Nathan is working, is not working, that they'll be able to have because their school gets out at 2.30. And so they will have like long, hopefully open-ended play time in the afternoons. Um, Even when he like goes to pick them up, like all the kids – like stay around and play outside for like half an hour. And so they get that 
community and then they get to come home and play in the mud. And so I'm really grateful also that this school year will look like more out of school time, after school time, open-ended play. Yeah, I love when families are able to stay after school just playing on the playground. What about you, Sarah? What do you want to be able to say in May when the school year is over? I actually wrote these things out when I was planning our homeschool experience, so I'm just going to go ahead and read them. The first, um, I'm writing them in past tense so I can say them at the end. Uh, We had fun together. The boys say that they love homeschool, and as an extension, they love learning. Number two, our days made us feel more connected to each other. Our relationship grew stronger as a result of our time together. Number three, the boys were active participants in their learning. They did as much thinking and work as Matt and I did, and they were also involved with setting goals for themselves and stepping back to reflect on where they were in relation to those goals. And this one is really hard for me because I'm so controlling and I love planning curriculum. (laughs) And so I really want to step back and um, let the boys really lead in that area. And I finally want them to, uh, I want to be able to say that the boys feel successful and they feel inherently worthy. Like I want them to know what their unique strengths are and feel like they are shining in the world. Because that's really what I think school should do for all children and I don't think it does because it kind of has one box that everyone is supposed to fit in and it doesn't help children like actually realize what they are uniquely good at and what their unique path is in the world or how to carve out that path for themselves so I'm excited about the opportunity to do that through homeschool. Wow I just feel like so grateful for that that's really beautiful. Yeah, we'll see if the reality actually matches up to the <laughs> to the vision, Catherine. I, I hope, I hope it is. The active learning, the sense of self-worth, like it's all just ugh, beautiful. We've had one one sweet, really sweet moment. We were Tate and I were standing in line to get into this public pool in Los Angeles. And we had just left San Francisco and he goes, I have an idea for my first passion project. I want to build a model of Alcatraz Island. And I was like, yeah, let's write that on your list of things that you could do. Um, and I just could see him like, I mean, there's so, Matt and I don't know how to build models. Like he would have to legit like research that and teach himself off of YouTube, like how to build a model, which would be so cool. That is so cool. Kids are so cool and so creative and amazing. I love I love that your kids are getting, I mean, even they probably have even more of that in their educational experience so far than my kids are currently getting, but I love that this year is going to give them even more exposure to that. What do you anticipate is going to be the hardest part about the school year for your family, Catherine? So obviously the situation with figuring out what we're doing about Sydney is the hardest part. And I think I feel really at a dead end sometimes. You know, not like a dead end, like the road just ends, but like I'm in the alley and there's just walls everywhere about this because I feel like I have to choose between her wholeness and her education, like her academic outcomes, because I want her to stay on grade level because I think that that will help open up more opportunities to her as she gets older. And I think if she starts getting behind academically, then that like really closes a lot of doors for her at this age. Because I've seen kids that get in third or fourth grade and are not reading proficiently and like all the subjects get harder and it just snowballs and gets harder and harder. And at the same time, like who she is as a human 
and her needs and her interests and her passions and her ways of learning and her ways of engaging with the world matters so much to me. And I don't feel like the school is designed to be inclusive of neurodivergent kids. And or I don't know how much of it is the trauma, right? Like, so within my own situation in terms of trying to like kind of parse out all of these different elements, it just feels extremely confusing. And we've really been leaning heavier in on the trauma side recently. And I've started the way we started doing some parenting coaching around this on like how to make our parenting as safe, feel as safe as possible. And then we've really started moving much closer to like active trauma processing with her, with Sydney's therapist, because we've just heard her talking a lot more about her adoption story recently and feeling like there's some definite triggering happening. And so it can be really hard to identify like, is she hate clapping because it's a sensory overwhelm? And like, that's what the like autism experts who like, by the way, like the ABA people we initially interacted with, like, aren't autistic themselves, don't know that much about it. So like, but that's like what we had been told when she initially got an autism diagnosis that like, if she doesn't like clapping, doesn't like birthday parties, doesn't like concerts, it's because of the sensory issues. And then as we've gotten more collaborative in our parenting, we've asked her more questions about it. It's been really interesting that she will say stuff like, if you clap for them, that means I'm the baddest. And we're like, oh, that's different than it's too loud because she actually does like really loud music and stuff. And so we've really been trying to parse out like kind of what exactly is happening with her and her experience and how can we support either her healing or advocate for um, more inclusion of kids like her at the school. So navigating all that is just like obviously extremely extra um, compared to what our lives would be like if, you know, her life situation was easier I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, we're like in it with her um, and going to help her figure it out. But that will definitely be the hardest part about our school year this year. Yeah, I remember it was like that for you last year, too. And it was a huge struggle. And then it ended up working out like for a long time with her aid that she was so close to and so successful with. So I'll be here watching and seeing how it unfolds for you. And then definitely feel free to call me at any time if you need to try to problem solve. Remember, I'm not, I'm not the shoulder to cry on person, but if you need a problem solving person, that's when you call me. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. We've also add more paid professionals in the form of parenting coaches now to help us with this problem too. It's so, so, here we are. so good. It's so good. What kind of person did you find for that? Oh, they're amazing. It's Bowman Consulting. They actually largely do training with schools and school districts but they also like they've just been willing to do some parenting consultation with us because we're also going to use them as IEP advocates in our IEP meetings we are really trying to find somebody that's like understood both like I feel like sometimes you talk to mental health professionals so they don't understand what's possible in the context of a school and then you talk to schools and they maybe don't quite understand enough about the how the brain works um and so I felt like these people like it's a couple. The man is a background as a clinical psychologist. He was like a school administrator. The woman was like a special ed teacher. Like they're just incredibly knowledgeable on both sides of that. And so it's been amazing. Would 100% recommend educators that are out there listening and curious about kids like Sydney to like attend some of their trainings because I've been 
watching some of that stuff and it's just incredible. They have stuff on like how to write trauma-informed IEPs and all different kinds of topics. That's awesome. We'll be sure to link it in the show notes. What about you, Sarah? What do you anticipate will be the hardest part of the school year for your family? This question makes me laugh because I'm thinking like what's not going to be hard about it? Um, I have two priority I have two priority areas to work on in order to show up for my children in the most positive and productive ways. And you really helped me clarify this for myself at the end of one of our podcasts, like this idea of helping me to integrate the different parts that emerged to protect me during the traumatic experiences that I had as a child and the wounded parts that I developed as a child and then getting more consistent with conscious parenting techniques and kind of like approaching my life in, from the, on those two fronts is going to help homeschooling and just because homeschooling is really just how our family is all day, every day at this point. So those are really pretty significant areas of growth for me. So I'm imagining that it's going to show up as like some our children having resistance to learning, complaining, dragging their feet. And I think it's just going to create a lot more opportunity for conflict in our family. Just like not only the conflict that comes from spending more hours together as a family, like that, the more hours you spend, like the more conflict you tend to have, but then also just the nature of what Matt and I will be trying to do, which is like not only just being parents for our children, but also being teachers for our children. So um, I'm wanting to really strengthen our relationship and our connection. And I just think it's going to be hard to – there are going to be a lot of challenges uh, getting in the the way of that. And Matt's doing more of the homeschooling because I'm working full-time, but I'm still – have a lot of flexibility with how I arrange my working schedule so I can help like before work, after work, or during my lunch break. So I really see it as um, I need to do this work for myself so that I can show up and support them um, during this process too. Yeah. I like, I just have this hope as I hear you talking that like this year of intense togetherness is going to present you opportunities to like be triggered by your kids and then like work through those triggers and figure out how you can be more present with them. So I have like a lot of hope um, actually that this like really intensive parenting is going to just be a really great opportunity for self-exploration. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is the hope. And it's, it's interesting as I think about our life back in Austin and like, I feel like the manager part of my personality, like the part that just like keeps everything like smooth and has everything planned so that there are no like unpredictable things. Like that was part was really shining right in our life. Like I didn't have that many hours with my kids. And so that manager could like show up and like we had this very, like we had gotten to a place of feeling like we had a very smooth and very connected and very, um, satisfying life but I feel like it was more at the manager level as opposed to like my essential self because I still feel like I have just so much work to do to let that essential self show up and not have the manager just running everything and so it really is sort of like peeling everything back and being like okay let's let's pull the rug out from under us so that we really have to 
learn how to do this in a different way. And it's not going to be easy to do that, but hopefully it feels very meaningful and feels really productive by the end of it. Yeah, it just feels so different. Like I can very much resonate with like those energies of like who's driving the bus. Is it like calm, curious, centered kind of energy? Or is it like, I've got this under control. Don't worry, everyone. Yes, um, yes. Because I have <laughs> I have both of those also. So I completely understand. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And I and I I wonder if like at the it's the essential self, like who is really like advocating for this trip, right? Like both because oh. it like fulfills me deeply to adventure and to um, be new places and connect with new people, but also because like I knew like this is going to be such a great opportunity to like rip off the Band-Aid and like poke at the scalp. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be rough. Yeah. You'll, you'll hear my lows coming out throughout yeah. this year. Yeah, absolutely. All right. For our final question on today's topic, what do you want to put in place or do differently to have the best school year possible for your family? This is also just like very obvious and something that we've already decided on. So maybe this is like a little bit of a cop out, but I am like so excited for Sugi to be in a different class than Sydney this coming year. Like we're going to put them in separate. They were in the same class last year because the school asked us if we wanted to before the year started because of COVID. They thought it would reduce the quarantines and we had no idea how chaotic the situation was going to be. And I feel like it was really hard on Suki to see her sister struggling so much all the time. And so I, and then of course they were like together the whole school year before that, because they were in a homeschool pod together. And so I'm just really, really excited for Suki to like have her own circle of influence, to have like all these hours every day where she's not having to think or worry about her sister. Um, Cause I do think for kids that have, a sibling that struggles with some of that kind of stuff, it just ends up taking a lot of their mental space and that's not really fair. So I'm very excited to see how that goes um, and really looking forward to that for her. I love that. Sweet Sugi. Sweet Sugi. She's the sweetest. Big first grader. The sweetest <laughs> kid. What about you, Sarah? What do you want to put in place or do differently to have the best school year possible? There are two main things that I want to do that are actually pretty difficult. Like each place we traveled to for an extended time, like Hawaii for two and a half months or Bali, Indonesia for two weeks or Australia for three weeks. Like those are sort of the longer chunks. And then um, Nelson, New Zealand, we're going to be there for three months. And Wellington, we're going to be there for one month. It's like when we're in these places for these longer chunks, I want to make sure that we set up a prepared environment so that the boys can independently access materials Mm. and we don't have very many materials since we only have one carry-on suitcase each and one backpack each but I want to make sure that we set up paper scissors markers pipe cleaners like so the boys can get what they need when they need it because I think that's such an important part of self-directed learning and so I think it's going to look like having a list that every time we land someplace, we go to the store and we buy these things. And it's going to be challenging because we're on a very limited budget. But I just tried to rework some things in our budget so I would actually have like a homeschool budget so that we don't feel bad when we buy these things because I think it's just going to be important to have them and we're not going to be able to carry things from place to place so just kind of having what we need when we need it and then the other thing I want to do is make sure we have social connections in each place like I think this is so important 
for Henry in particular as he is on the cusp of adolescence, but also for Tate and also for their relationship just to have other kids that they're interacting with. And then for us as parents to just have other adults that we're talking to. So I've joined a bunch of groups on Facebook, like homeschooling groups, but also just like mom groups. So I can just kind of stay tapped into what's going on in those communities. And I'm going to be really intentional about like trying to build those connections and find existing things that are happening. And then when, when they're, when they're not happening or they aren't aligned with our family's needs, like trying to make them um, so that we have, we have that every place that we go. And that's been pretty hard in this first stage of this trip with us changing so frequently. But once we get settled in August, that's going to be a huge priority for me. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I'm like, think, you know, we've thought about doing a family gap year before and thought about doing like a month in a whole bunch of different places. But just like the level of thinking about all these logistics is so helpful in case we ever do it, because I don't think I had really thought about this trying to identify social connections if you're just there for a month it'd be really hard so I love how intentional you're being we have a friend who's going to Costa Rica for a whole year and they are enrolling their children in school and I sometimes get very envious when I think about her experience especially when my children are like I just want to go home like I want I just want to feel like because because I can see how they would thrive so much more And it's just, of course, this balance because I would not thrive as much of just like going someplace else and then having these really strong connections and then being like, well, now I don't want to leave this place. I have these really strong connections. So I like the new locations and the different connections, but I definitely think it's going to be hard on my kids. So as much as I can try to mitigate that through different experiences with getting getting together, I think it'll be good. Yeah. Absolutely. It seems like there are pros, there are trade-offs either way you go. Well, that's it for today's topic. Listeners, we would love to hear how you're thinking about school this year, if you're even thinking about it. If you're not thinking about it, just, you know, save this episode for when it gets closer to when you do need to think about it. Um, But definitely feel free to connect with us on Instagram, whether it's little things like small back-to-school hacks to make it easier or bigger things like shifts in your mindsets. And now it's time for our tips and tricks segment. Catherine, what do you want to share? So as I've mentioned, I've been trying to move towards more of a capsule type wardrobe with fewer versatile, higher quality clothing items. And I found found this brand called Zuri, um, which has globally, like their tagline is like globally inspired women's clothing ethically sourced and produced in Kenya. And so the fabrics are all like these beautiful like block prints, like really pretty prints from... Kenya and then the dress cuts themselves are like very simple and versatile. And so I got my first one. They're not cheap, but I think it's going to be a good, like going to be able to wear it for lots of years and very excited about how it feels on me and also about the quality of it and about how beautiful it is. So I just wanted to share that brand with Oh my gosh. Please send me a picture. Text me a picture of you wearing it. Please, please, please. I really want to see it. I I think they're so beautiful. They they advertise to me on Facebook and they just, I'm so caught in every time. They're so beautiful. What about you, Sarah? What's your tip or trick? Mine's pretty simple. It's homemade lemonade. Mm. Uh, We were going for a walk um, actually because we were, my kids were fighting. And so we took one on a walk to get away from the other one. And we happened upon free lemons that people were giving away. 
And so we just collected them because they were on the verge of rotting. So we actually took nine. They had a big bowl. We took nine of them. And then we made lemonade together. And it's such a simple recipe. It's so simple to make lemonade. And yet I think it's really empowering to make something that you typically buy at the grocery store. And I think it's really good for kids to have those experiences and from start to finish. So that was really fun. I love that. Now let's close out our episode with Facing Forward. Catherine, how did you do on your intentions from the past two weeks? And what new intentions do you want to set for yourself for the next two weeks? So my intentions for the last two weeks were, one, to enjoy our trip to the Buffalo River, which now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that should have been my high. We had an incredible weekend away with friends, and it was, like, so sweet. They have a two-year-old who was, like, sitting there, and he was, like, one mama, pointing at his mom two mamas pointing at me he like just learned to count to two and so the whole time he called me mama too and it was just like the most precious thing and it was like really sweet to hear you know my friend singing lullabies to all of our kids and anyway so very much enjoyed getting away the buffalo river in north central Arkansas is just like gorgeous and so the bluffs are incredible so loved that and then i was also going to find an additional babysitter so that we would just get more breaks and the babysitter that we have, Sydney had a really hard time last time and we ended up having to come home. So I actually don't think that that's something that I'm going to prioritize right now, but we did. My other goal was to like get Sydney back into OT and to get the family coach, the parent coaching going and to get the, to meet with a psychiatrist, which we did on Monday. We're getting some functional medicine kinds of like stool and blood work testing done. Um, and we also are exploring med options for her. So we have been doing like tons of stuff on that, which I think I had been thinking like early in June that I needed to do. And finally, it's all happening now. And so that feels really good. So in the next two weeks, I'm going to do the one thing that I still haven't done, which is to prioritize time for myself. Now that I'm putting the kids to bed, also I'm getting even less of that than I was. And maybe that's just going to be a struggle until August when school starts. Um, but I'm sure hoping that I can do something different. I've been saying that for a long time. Maybe I'm going to have it figured out by next time we talk. My last two weeks, I said that I wanted to really get health and wellness habits back in place. And I wanted to report like specific numbers to you of how many walks I went on and how many swims I went on. And those numbers are actually pretty uninspiring. Uh, I, when I actually tracked it, I was like, oh, I'm not doing it nearly as much as I thought I was. So I've only gone on three walks and two swims. It's just hard because I'm working. I'm trying to adventure. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to parent. So this upcoming two weeks, I really need to prioritize finishing my next big work deadline before we start our community of practice. And that's really crowding out my ability to exercise. So I'm going to try a new idea, which is like when we have beach time, like actually just using that leaving the family and going and walking by myself um, so that I'm not trying to like fit in my exercise like during my free time I can use my free time for my work time but then I can still get exercise time while the family is doing something else Um, so we'll see how that goes good luck it's so much to try to piece together all the things I'm sure even more so when you're um, traveling like you are 
Well, that's all for this episode of So Connected. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find the show notes at soconnectedpodcast.com or you can find me, Sarah, on my blog at feedingthesoil.com. And you can find us on Instagram at So Connected Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so grateful for your review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. See you in two weeks. Wishing you joy, purpose, and community between now and then.